Hey everybody, The Talking Book is a non-profit audiobook recording studio in Asheville, North Carolina. If you want to make an audiobook, go to thetalkingbook.org, that's thetalkingbook.org. Check out these amazing writers, narrators, indie publishers. Come to Asheville, we record books in a booth, here's the show. Tell Me How You Really Feel is a new novella by Claire Hopple, and that's the reading you're going to hear today on the Talking Book Podcast. My name's Chris Hartram, coming at you, coming at you live uh, from Asheville, North Carolina, where the author Claire Hopple also lives, uh, tucked in the mountains here. We're making audiobooks, we're recording books, uh, the Talking Book Podcast, where you can hear readings like this from all the coolest authors on the planet. Um, and today, as I said, we have a reading by the incredible Claire Hopple, Tell Me How You Really Feel, her new novella, um, which is coming out next month. You can pre-order it. Go to tellmehowyoureallyfeel.modelinhouse.net um, with, no uh, with no more than a click. You could get this book. You should go get it. Um, anyway, here's the reading by Claire Hopple. Please enjoy. This is an excerpt from Tell Me How You Really Feel coming out from Maudlin House on September 15th. Nobody had a clue what happened to Joe's girlfriend, Denise. She seemed to have gone missing. Joe felt like the last to know. Their steady communication stream had been compromised. Acknowledgement always insists, but so does denial, and there was Joe in between. Someone had stolen his beanbag chair and nothing else from his house a few days earlier, and that was a precursor he saw now. Denise might have slipped into the woods behind her apartment, or the woods behind her mom's, or the woods behind his very own house even. Joe was overwhelmed with the possible wooded escapes into which she could have fled. At best, she was on a clandestine vacation, sipping tea undetected at Marco's paternal grandparents' rental house up in Hidden Valley. Perturbment puddled in his forehead at the thought. He knew this much. If he was going to bother to do an official manhunt, he'd better have something to show for it. To cope with the disappearance, Joe's mom had vigorously sponge-painted all her dining room walls in increasingly erratic patterns. You could tell where she feverishly began, where she grew impatient, and where she gave up caring altogether. Did you think about the last place you left her? Nancy asked, picking sponge paint off her thumb. I thought you were supposed to do that when you, like, lose a sock or something, Joe said. The concept still applies, more or less. Even with human beings? Especially with human beings. Joe didn't know what to say to that, so he fondled a doily on the end table. Her pica was acting up again. She must have stopped taking her iron pills. I caught her chewing crayons one afternoon. Oh, said Nancy in a way that sounded like a revelation, but Joe knew she didn't really have anything to go on. Denise had been gnawing on them in broad daylight, a symptom of anemia. She seemed to have a preference for Crayola's cerulean. 
The last time Joe'd seen her was the day set aside for mentoring Marco. Joe knew the one-on-one time was good for him, even if Marco's father had already taken him to the Bahamas, the Alps, Toronto. This was about the time Joe registered that life was molding itself into a shape of vague plausibility. Time was still not concrete, but became an essence with slightly greater verisimilitude than before. He could admit that his perception was equally dubious and untrustworthy, but it was what he had to work with, the only thing he'd kept with him all these years. So he had an unquestionably fond, albeit biased, affection for it. Zach had just texted that the band scored their first real show at the Slovak Club in Connellsville. We go on after the line dancing lesson clears out, the message read. Joe had decided to take Marco to Duff Park and do some solid reflecting on a bench. He'd barely consulted the list of conversation topics in his back pocket. Things were going so smoothly. They went to the mall next so Marco could be dropped off after Denise's shift at the Bonton department store. The escalator was broken and it irked Joe even though it had just turned into stairs and was therefore perfectly usable. It had simply changed into something that in most cases was your best option. On the way down, Joe noticed some teenagers shouting and taking turns pushing at each other's collarbones. This was exactly the kind of moment Joe had tried to manufacture earlier in the hypothetical. He rushed down the rest of the motionless escalator to break it up. Step aside, he said to the one with especially red cheeks. They ignored him. A girl beside them was laughing. Go ahead and punch each other. I dare you, she said, laughing even harder. It became clear to Joe that neither party was angry enough to do anything but posture. They mumbled and made a few half-hearted, lewd gestures before heading in opposite directions. Marco had sidled up to him at some point, just like Joe hoped he would. You see, in situations like these, you have to have a certain gumption. Joe tried to formulate the rest of his speech, but cleared his throat instead. If it's all the same to you, I'd like to swing by Auntie Anne's and split a pretzel with you now, he finally said. They eventually made it to the Bonton entrance unscathed. The floor tiles were brilliant and perfectly spaced like nobody's teeth. Bev was already hunched at the counter to replace Denise. Joe pivoted into shoes. He wanted to avoid Bev at all costs. She was so neutral, he thought she might completely dissolve in front of him one day. She was an antacid tablet of a person living in a ranch house at the true butt of a cul-de-sac. Denise walked out the door marked employees only shortly after that, and they put a stamp on the day with dinner at Chuck E. Cheese's. That was it. This recollection wasn't getting him any closer to figuring out where she was. She had left Marco behind, and he was staying at her mother's. Joe would drive by Denise's mom's house every night just in case. He thought of it as a patrolling of sorts. She'd left her blow-up decorations in the yard. The deflated ghost and witch had their lives sucked out of them, making a completely different display, but perhaps more effectively haunting than the intended one. 
Inside the house, as you might imagine, Marco thought about his mother. He assumed she got fed up because she didn't have any hobbies. The frequent Marco Polo references made by strangers throughout his life and the irony of her going missing was not lost on him. He was convinced he was responsible for her dull, hobbyless life. Marco knew it was impossible, but had just finished reading The Indian in the Cupboard, so he snuck a peek in the kitchen cabinet to make sure she wasn't in there, then turned his attention to the science book on the table, skimming over the portion about surface tension. That was a reading from Tell Me How You Really Feel by Claire Hopple. Um, you can go get this book at tellmehowyoureallyfeel.modelinghouse.net. More episodes coming soon with more readings from more authors. Um, yeah, everything's uh, fine here. Everything's going okay. Not going crazy yet. Um, I feel like that's what everyone... I feel like everyone's just like saying that even if you're not going crazy it's like you're expected to go a little crazy um but i'm fine i'm fine let me tell you how i really feel i am fine um thanks so much to claire hopple for this reading and modeling house um and thanks so much to all of our authors narrators listeners people out there i love you very much and have a great day i'll see you next time with a new reading my name's chris hartram the talking book is a thing in Asheville, north carolina see ya like a bishop who has forsaken sympathy chasing sister squares I was lit before I I was lit